They're over here. Nice. Oh, what up? Didn't see you right there. It's the Man to Man Boys. We're in Los Angeles to kick off things for season four, episode one. Uh, as you can see, we're at a personal studio studio right now in Sherman Oaks. We got a huge guest. He goes by the name of Jorge Game Brad Masvidal. Uh, we're the Man to Man Boys. It's going to be a big season for us. We got three big guests this week in Los Angeles. And then some more uh, surprising things coming up here in the near future. Make sure to like, subscribe. Don't be that guy that just watches the videos and, and doesn't subscribe. So hope you enjoy this episode with Jorge Game Brad Masvidal. Let's get into the pod. UFC superstar Jorge Game Brad Masvidal, dude. What's going on, baby? What's up, everybody? Alrighty, what up, everybody? Welcome into Man to Man Podcast. Today we're switching things up and talking man to woman. Please welcome, please welcome on the show singer, songwriter, social media star Lauren Gray. You um, know you like the DJ. I am. Okay. <laughs> Uh, he's still in the McDonald's, Jorge? Yes. Yes, okay. Yeah, we got you. Like the McDonald's food shop. We got you. So we got you right here, big guy. Let's go. They're kind of going off over there. <laughs> you guys ever heard of Sting Pong? No. The person who loses the point, they take off their shirt and you, you get a swing at the other person's back. You get like five welts on you play a five, three to five. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, afterwards, yeah, I'll light somebody up. Yeah, yeah, let's go. You guys could be my worst. Oh! Boys, over here. That's fine. No, you guys are good. We're easy. All right, you ready, big brother? Sorry, sir. All right, let's do it. Alrighty, we got an absolute legend to help kickstart the season off with us. Some people call him Street Jesus. Other people know him as Game Brad. Please welcome on to the show, UFC superstar Jorge Game Brad Masvidal, dude. What's going on, baby? What's up, everybody? How we doing, dude? Doing so on, we we've been seeing you've been bouncing around. You know, you're different. You're obviously in Utah. In Los Angeles, like, how's it going so far? And then, I guess, how was UFC 291? Like, was that the first time you were back in a UFC type of environment since you retired? Good question, but no. I was uh, at International Fight Week. Okay. Um, That was the first live event I went to. Gotcha. And um, I, I had a ball at, at UFC 291. Obviously, uh, two of my teammates lost that day. Yeah. I would have hoped could have won, could have pulled it off, but it's a fight game. It happens, actually. We had four... Teammates competing that night. We had uh, a guy in Bellator, a guy in Japan, and yeah. two guys in the UFC, Dustin Poirier yeah. and Pizal, the guy that fought Derek Lewis. But it's just a fight game. It wasn't it wasn't our best night, you know? Yeah. We were wondering what the relationship was with Dustin Poirier. And then obviously teammate, right? Hundred K down the drain. Dude, we had Dustin, by the way. We're big uh, we're Gosh. big betters over here, dude. I lost on a third leg with Dustin losing that one. What do you think of <sighs> the outcome and and kind of just the overall vibe of that night? I mean, God. Obviously, a ton of fan love too, right? But oh yeah, yeah, I received a ton of fan love, and it was awesome. But um, just uh, Dustin, I've known him. Uh, I want to say twenty, ten years now. Yeah, and and we've been training alongside each other at ten years, watching each other's careers develop and unfold and, and take off. You know, yeah. I, I was there when Dustin first got there. I, I helped him for many camps to get ready when 
when he was working out, when he was competing at 145, I was at, I was at 155. Okay. And uh, when I went up to 170, he went up to 155. Gotcha. So it's always like we, we've been in the same neighborhood, always helping, always yeah. pushing each other, you know, in, in the healthiest way you can push each other in the gym. So we got a, we got a good bond inside the cage, and I'm always with that guy. So, I mean, I bet it on all his fights. The first time he fought Connor, the second time he fought Connor, the third time he fought Connor. So yeah. I don't even care about that 100K, bro. Um, okay, cool. The fucking fight with me, you know? <laughs> That was going yeah, to be made, my question, though. Is 100K the biggest bet you ever made? And no. was it the first bet outside of fighting? No. First bet outside of fighting? Like outside of just fighting in the ring, obviously. Oh, no. I, you know, I don't really know nothing about sports. You know, yeah. To right. bet, so I don't bet on sports. Okay, yeah. You know, like if, I don't know, if I had like a fucking insider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and they gave me like a ringer. That's different, but. I don't know shit about sports like that. <laughs> I feel you. Yeah, know? After betting for as long as I have, I don't need. I don't know anything. Yeah, and that's so what everybody in sports betting tells yeah. us anyway. So you know, that's Liam's the bigger UFC guy. I'm more. Of, I mean, we're both. We grew up playing basketball and you know football, but he got me into UFC. I guess when 2020 hit and you know everything was still kind of going on, and I'm just texting him on the weekends, I'm like, "All right, dude, who we got? You know, what's got what's going plays. on? What's going on? What do you think about the uh, the Derek Lewis?" Flying knee kick. I'm sure you've gotten wow. asked this before. Like, yeah, it was. Uh, I thought yeah. I thought he broke the record right then and there. I'm like, yeah, in the BMF title. Yeah, um, I was shocked. I was like, damn. But uh, it, it took longer than than three seconds, you know, because he dropped him. Yeah, and then the fight kept going. I think they stopped it around 29, 30 seconds. Yeah, and but I was like, holy smokes, what a performance! It sucked <laughs> also because it, it's my teammate, and a friend of mine. I've been uh, okay. about five, six years, and he's a hell of a competitor. Yeah, he has like forty kickboxing matches. So that's not the guy I would have ever thought he's gonna get hit with a flying knee because he's used to seeing those techniques. Yeah, and um, it, it just goes to show Derek's a hell of a competitor, hell of an athlete. Fucking, he's half funny half as fuck too. The funniest guy in the yeah. game, I think. Always every yeah. year, he's just he's just fucking. Hilarious and natural. that post game interview was yeah. legendary, Always. right? All of his interviews, yeah. And Speaking of the flying knee kick, like obviously, after the Ben Askren, you know, flying knee kick or whatever, you had five fights after that, but you never tried it again. Is there like a, I don't know, is there like a strategy that goes behind like each opponent? Like, I'm gonna try this this time. No, there's a couple guys that sh I, I threw it on, but it didn't work. But definitely, there's um, there's you know, guys that that tend to just level change and shoot that's gonna be, yeah working for them you know there's always a, a a risk to reward i can miss and they can get an easy takedown right but when it connects it's it's a painful thing and wherever right. it connects it's a painful thing yeah and the good thing about the knees you only need one you don't need many it's just <laughs> one knee and it could change the game you know yeah. yeah yeah right knee or left knee either or okay either or remember the knees don't have padding and the knees are for me in my personal opinion though i'm not the best knee thrower it's the most powerful weapon we have it's yeah knees and elbows you know and kicks yeah punches are are in mma could obviously knock somebody out as we've seen yeah but of like power power real power yeah these things don't have padding you can't even compare when you throw an elbow correctly you'll you'll it looks like the people get killed you know yeah so yeah, yeah. Like it's violent dude i'm not trying to be on the other side of that one yeah i know you want to give, it, give it, not take it. so being back in the ufc are you looking to like be more part of i we gave out the belt obviously at um 291 do you want to get more involved, maybe hand out more belts with the UFC, or are you more focused towards the... Because we, I, as a fan that I've been following for a while now, we kind of like to see, you know, fighters come back, yep. a part of the UFC, and maybe if it is just once a year, just giving out a belt, or just 
is there some definitely. angle that you want to get back into the UFC and show your face there? Uh, definitely with the UFC, to, to me, it's more than, at this point, especially in particular, it, it's more than business. So it, it's uh, Cause you it's got like a teammates. big family, you know? Yeah, you got yeah. teammates um, and stuff. Working with them 10 years, they've, they've always been great. They've always taken care of me, so I, I love the UFC. Um, anything that they ask for, I'll basically do. Dana needs me to give out more belts. I'm yeah. giving out more belts. You know, Hunter says, I want you to do this. I just do it for me. We got a very good relationship. So yeah. it took a long time to get there. I'm not going to lie. It was yeah. pretty shitty for a long time. Like, yeah. Pretty shitty. And then, you know, we, we worked at it and now we are where we are. So I would say that, uh, fuck, um, if, yeah, they involve me in things like that, I'm going to do it. But mainly I'm going to focus on my promotions. Right. You know, and, mm-hmm. and that's the best thing. That's why um, also we're in the greatest country that I could I could go and do that. You know, it's not like if I was in another country where the government has a piece of the business and that business doesn't allow no other business to flourish and you could only work for that company. You know, in this great country, right. I could go and open up another business, another fighting style, something yeah. a little different, but still fighting, still MMA, Yeah, um, which is the bare knuckle and stuff. Yeah, know? yeah, still being close to fighting, not the in the UFC, thing, but no still, gloves, you know? yeah. So a lot of the reporters asked the fighters at the press conference, you're talking about being in the country, but being in, I guess, that event taking place in Utah. I guess it was like the second mm-hmm. time that UFC had a big event in Utah. What were your thoughts? It looked like you had a good time in Utah, dude. You, I, I've been going to Utah for like seven years. Have I, you? I go, to, I go to ski there. First place I ever skied was Utah. Oh, really? Ski guy. Yeah. He's not a ski guy. Never Can skied in my it? life. Get border? Nope. No, no, I, I haven't done either, bro. No, Why? no, I, I don't know. I guess I haven't gotten the chance, or I, I've, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to break my leg or something, it, dude. It took me a while. It took me a while till I was like, uh, I went in first time ever in my 30s. Okay. And, um, I got lucky that I skated since a kid. Since I was like six years old to like 13, 14, yeah, I skated in a lot. That was my uh, a big um way to release. Skate, is it skateboarding or like rollerblading? In, in, uh, inline blading. Oh, no, gotcha. Like jump on half gotcha. pipes and jump on rails and on staircases. I did that all the way till I was like 13 years old and I loved it. Gotcha. You know, okay. and then um, uh, at that same time I was already training a lot and, and it was already like, damn, I can't skate like this no more. Not only am I going to get hurt, but I don't really got gotcha. time. From like 12, 13, I put all my emphasis in, in fighting and yep. never skated again, nothing. I didn't pick up the skis till I was like in my Gotcha. 33, maybe. The off balance of having two different things on your feet, the yeah. coordination you have to have sometimes. Yeah. I feel like sometimes that could even it help helps. you in the in the boxing. I was going to say, it goes hand to hand a little bit, right? More more muscles, you know. Uh, if you're skating for a long time, it's cardio. Anything that moves your your blood around your body, it's always a good thing. Good thing yeah. You. So, you know, maybe you could say it's not directly related with fighting, but anything that they just makes your blood move, like getting in the sauna, getting a good workout, it, it's good for you. Yeah. All right. Well, sure, maybe I should try it out. I'm, I'm getting him. We're going to get him to, yeah. to go ski. Go a little skiing trip. Yeah. Skiing is different. Skiing, you it, you don't get tired. It's different. It's yes. all out about technique and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, You can just go downhill and take off, you know? So we just talked about it a little bit. It's kind of in the news right now. Ben Askren calling you out, dude. You're doubling yeah. down. You're trying to meet him in yeah. the ring. What's going on there, dude? Um, n- Not me calling him out. He made... Uh, yeah. He made a comment saying he'd come out of retirement to fight me. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I, I get it. Why the random call out though? You know, yeah, I don't you know. know I get, just trying to stay relevant in there. I guess he took too much Viagra or something. Like <laughs> and uh, after that, he's calling me out and I'm like, bro, I'm the one that sent you into retirement. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say he retired in the you same know? year, right? No, he didn't retire the same year, but shortly after. Yeah. And, and it's like, man, 
you're a punk anyways. You know, you don't respect this game of MMA. You think you could just do it all with your wrestling and this and that. Yeah. And he went pretty far, but then it all came to a blistering end. Right. You know, so I just thought it'd be funny, and it's like a pun on him <laughs> especially, that we do boxing, and for many reasons. For, for one, and the most obvious one, the, I don't have to say, but here we go for those that don't know, you cannot knee in boxing. Exactly, yeah. So why not take the fight? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Then we can throw some bread on you, dude. Don't don't you know? be an idiot, Ben. There's no need yeah. in boxing. So I leave, hopefully the fight lasts longer than five seconds. <laughs> exactly. That's what, that's what everybody, yeah. So we're going to take the knees away because last time it didn't last so long. <laughs> <laughs> Let's yeah, make bro. it fair. And Oscar, we're calling you out right now. Let's go, baby. Come on. I told him after that, after a boxing match, yeah. I'll do a, a wrestling match with him. Ooh. Got his, oh, okay. I know he's an Olympian. I know he's a four-time finalist two-time national champion i know my wrestling well like, yeah i know who's who in it because i'm a big fan of wrestling collegiate wrestling world wrestling yep but his old ass that just had a hip replacement and all that shit i will beat his fucking yeah. non-athletic ass that's maybe funny we'll do you know in the near future not even now because i wouldn't even attain his ass now yeah we do a boxing match followed by a wrestling match yeah why not getting into okay. that a little bit you're going to Jake Paul on Friday. Do you ever see yourself maybe getting into like celebrity boxing, quote unquote, like just trying to secure a bag, a big bag? Like yeah. we see a Jake Paul. Now you see Nate Diaz doing it too. Is that something you're kind of up for or is it just it has to be what it is, the right timing and everything like that? Um, <clears throat> definitely because I, I always felt of all the disciplines of MMA, the one that comes most natural to me is boxing. Mm -hmm. since, since a kid, since since I got in the sport, the thing that I excelled at the most and with ease was boxing, both defensively and offensively. Other components of mixed martial arts took me a lot more time, discipline, you know, a, a lot more techniques involved in it. They were like harder for my body to learn that, yeah. that if you did 100 reps, I had to do like a thousand reps, you know. Yep. But in boxing, I, I had these these gifts bestowed upon me since I since I was like seven, eight years old, just natural ability, you know? Yeah. And um, I feel that boxing is always something I wanted to do. I got one pro boxing fight, and it was against a guy that had a bunch of fights. He had like 15, 16 fights, and I won a decision. And, and I knew also I, I already had like five or six um, pro MMA fights. But for that boxing match, I, mean, I want to say I made like $300. At the point in my career in MMA, I was already making like, I don't know, maybe, maybe I was making like, eight thousand to ten thousand dollars a fight in MMA, yeah. something like that so i was like I'm, I'm taking a big step back but i wanted to challenge myself box somebody good and then right. keep the ball moving see if i could get a bigger paycheck but it, it wasn't looking like that but i was gonna have to become like 20 and on boxing to be able to get those paychecks so i just said i'm just gonna full-time go in mma it's already going for me um so now that I got all this fame and I'm known for the hands, I, I would definitely love to do some celebrity boxing, some, Shit, some matches see like it, that. Probably not no time soon, but at some point when the right one comes around. Yes. Yeah, so what what is the prediction then for, for Jake Paul and Nate Diaz? Are you cool with Nate Diaz? No, I'm not. Well, he's salty. I don't have no hard feelings towards the guy. I got nothing but love for the dude, you know? Uh. He's an idiot, but, you know, <laughs> he calls me a, like a pussy or that I was going to quit in his fictitious mind. Like, I've... I've never in my whole career tapped. I've gotten put into sleep knowing that I'm probably going to get put to sleep if I don't tap. Mm -hmm. And so I went to sleep because the, the choke was so tight. You know, it's happened to me twice that I'm fighting with everything I got. Yeah. And tapping is not an option for me. You yeah. Know? So now this guy was saying that going into the fourth and fifth round, I was going to quit. That's the most disrespectful shit you could tell a fighter. Like, I'm, I'm not a quitter. I've never. Show me the proof, motherfucker. 
The mm-hmm. only one that quit or was close to it was his ass. He kept getting hit in the body and dropping one and a quit the fight. So he always stayed sour and mad and he says crazy comments and shit. Yeah. But I don't have no ill will towards him or hard feelings. You know, I beat him to death. He's obviously the one that's sour. Yeah. So then we're, <laughs> I guess we're going with the favorite Jake Paul then. Um, <laughs> I, I think Jake Paul's a favorite because he's he's been boxing. Yeah. I don't know what Nate's lifestyle's been outside of the the cage, the boxing ring. Yeah. He's never boxed before professionally. You know, I know he has millions and millions of rounds in sparring. Yeah. Are you throwing a hundred grand on somebody this time or what? Yeah. Nah, I need not, to not, not do not that. Look at it again. I mean, you know what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, you dude. Throw fifty on it, bro. I'm gonna throw something. No, I just, thought of, <laughs> I just thought about it in like gambling forms. Like, how many times have I said, "No, nah, I'm not playing no more," and then I'm like, "You know what? I'm gonna just play like two thousand." Yeah, we, we, know, you, we know you'll touch it. This is the last two thousand dollars in my pocket that I got. Minus will yeah, play it yeah, anyways. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I that's where they play. get you. Every, it's just always one more. One yeah, more, but then more. sometimes I make that money back. You yeah, know? there's yeah. somebody that'll take my bets. I just recently found somebody's taking my bets. So. All right. Well, we'll be touching it, right? I think we'll have to, yeah. Okay, so, we'll be touching hey, it. Hey, I got the, li- you, you know, it's easy to find a bookie, right, to place a bet on. Yep. But try finding a bookie that'll pay you that money back. That's not the easy part. I got the, somebody that'll pay you back. We, uh, yeah, we've had friends that? that have tried to have, yeah, we've had friends yeah, that have tried to do that and plug not paying us. Yeah, plug yeah. it up, dude, if you yeah, got yeah, it, yeah, dude. Mybookie.ag. Mybookie.ag. They, they pay me my money every time. All right. Every time. And I took them to the cleaners and they paid. <laughs> that, that's number one. That's number one is like, pay me my money back. Yeah. I don't want to be part of your website. No, I hear you. All right, well, let's. I know you, Jorge. I know you've talked about it a lot in all these interviews, but obviously, we want to go back to where it kind of started with Kimbo Slice's backyard league. The few questions that we have are: What is your relationship with Kimbo Slice, and how did it come about to begin with? That that um, back because we saw those videos on YouTube all the time. Back but, when we were young, young, yeah, that's kind of yeah. where we started to see the fight like yeah. game it just, grow. Just yeah. like uh, myself, it was just a big thing. It was a big community thing down in South Florida as well. Like we. We'd hear about these fights. We'd go to these fights or, or somebody participated in those fights. Um, so me and Kimbo ended up at the same gym down in Miami. And I, I was already doing like fights. Not on, I hadn't fought for Kimbo, but I was just fighting around Miami, just getting my experience. Any, any takers, you know? And, um, Kimbo see, had seen me at his gym, him and the group. Mm-hmm. They talked to me. They're like, Hey, you're pretty talented. You know, I talked to the people that were running the gym that knew me as well. And they got me on board. They were like, would you want to fight for us? They asked me, I remember. Um, one of his managers, Icy Mike, that's still alive to say, great dude. Yeah. And a couple of his partners, uh, his brother, Black Rob, came up to me and they were like, would you want to fight in the backyard? Yeah. I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> that's like, this, this dude was, was getting like 30 million views on YouTube. Yeah. Like, that's like, might as well get your exposure up while you well, got it, right? Yeah. 30 million back then. I'm talking yeah. about 20 something years ago. You know Michael Jackson? That's. Big you know numbers back then. Yeah. Michael Jackson yeah. getting like a million views. Yeah. Really? Kimbo was the biggest YouTube sensation. That's period. what I'm saying. Yeah, we were like binge it, watching it, those videos yeah. at like 3 a.m. And dude. everybody was. Like if he yeah. was alive now, the guy that you'd want on your podcast. You know, especially back then, like nobody nobody yeah. had seen those type of numbers. Yeah. So when he asked me, it was it was such a, of a course. privilege and a little bit surreal too because I had seen Kimbo already a lot in Miami, you know, and it was like nuts. Mm-hmm. Um seen all of his fights and was like, damn, okay, cool. I get to represent now yeah, and, and get my name out there. But at the same time, I always knew that that was just a, a step in my journey. And it wasn't like the end of me. 
it was just the beginning of me, you know. Yep. And and um, a lot of people thought that was just me. That I was just a street fighter, but no, I I was doing everything. I was training MMA, boxing, wrestling, jujitsu, just trying to be the best fighter I could be. So take us on that journey a little bit in terms of how that transitioned into getting into the like the professional side of like we see you kind of joining these other MMA leagues to kind of when it's starting to grow and get it traction. How did that leave you like lead you to the UFC? into where people would know you as who you are now. How did that, like, foundation help you get to where you are? Um, actually, it kind of backfired on me, to tell you the truth. <laughs> when, when I did that, um, w- with the fans, it generated a lot of, like, love. And, and it's something about when you see two males that know how to fight going bare knuckle, it, it's just different. You kind of feel more for them. You're kind of feeling it more with them, through them. It's, it's fight you know mm-hmm. it's a fucking fist fight so i think i gained from there like the greatest fans and fans that stuck with me my whole career win or lose they were just behind me because they knew i was a dog but I, I got to show how much of a dog i was because of the circumstances yeah right. they were given you know so um it, it, it was amazing but on the other point of it promoters looked down on me they thought i would i was this thug that was going to roll up with like 50 dudes mm. deep to the fight shows and, and cause problems if the decisions didn't go my way. And it was all types of stereotypes and stigmas and even reporters as well. I was challenging for world titles and they were still deeming me. And on the title would read uh, street fighter kid or thug uh, fighter from the street. The, the media wasn't kind to me like 15, 12 years ago. That's how I always had like a, like a thing with them where I was like, well, fuck you guys. Now, yeah, just now being haters. I broke this record and I did that, you guys want to interview me and everybody want to be my best friend. But when I was coming up the ranks, just because I, I passed through this these fist fights in Kimbo Yard's back slice, backyard, mm-hmm. uh, freaking, they, they, they were blackballing me or, or, or the writers wouldn't write like the best things. I'd win fights and they'd, uh, yeah. they'd say things that weren't like the coolest. So it, it was kind of double edged on a lot yeah. of promoters. Yeah. We're also like, well, I was kind of like looked down upon the shun, you know? Yeah. I, I got a question about the, the backyard fights. Now, wh- I guess, what are you telling your parents as you're entering this league? Like, are you knocking on mom's door and saying, hey, I'll be back in a couple weeks, dude. Like, I'm going to go, you know, knock some dude's head off. Or like, how does that go about? No. Um, <laughs> I, at the time, already, I was pretty like gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My mom already, since like um, 14 years old, that's not when the fight was over. But since I was like 14 years old, yeah, I w- it was just me. I didn't, I didn't really like ask for permission to do anything. Mm-hmm. My mom knew I was just out there. I was either getting money or training, or or just getting by, you know. And, yeah. and I, I had periods where I grew up with my mom, and a long periods where I didn't. So it was kind of like we were both used to it, you know. Yeah, gotcha. So when I would fight and stuff, I'd get money, and then I'd give it to her, and she'd be like, "You robbed somebody." I didn't <laughs> you know the first. One of the, the, well, the first time that I fought made, um, I'm going to say like $2,500. Yeah. Oh, wow. When I fought. Um, You're like, that's a bag right Kimbo, there, dude. Yeah, in Kimbo, Kimbo's backyard. And I was like, what? So, uh, and then oh, yeah, are I you guys it. on like a, a team and then betting money on yourselves against mm-hmm. other opponents? Or I'm how not does. Not a team, but you could just bet, you know, I'm going to fight him and yeah. you guys are going to bet. And my boys over there and they're going to yeah. bet. And, and I brought some money and I gave it to my boys to place a bet. And I'm going to yeah. do my job now. 
you know? So we saw a, a video, I think it was on Facebook, Griff, I think you snagged it from us, how you were you won $43 or something after a fight, and then you take all your boys to McDonald's, yeah, that was and pretty- you get the Oreo McFlurry, double cheeseburger, large fry, McDouble, yeah. and McChicken. Is that still yeah. your go-to McDonald's order? Yeah. Oh, if I go to McDonald's, that is pretty much okay. the, the order. Maybe the Oreo McFlurry, I'll take it off, and I'll put the, the Sunday. Okay. I'll put uh, caramel on top, fudge on bottom. Now McDonald's took away the fucking peanuts. With the- <laughs> <laughs> Fuck McDonald's. I don't understand. Because somebody has, because somebody's allergic to peanuts. Maybe that somebody shouldn't ask for fucking peanuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, because I'm not allergic to peanuts. Okay, well, uh, all right, we got a gift for you because we knew that you would still might check out. Nicky's Ooh, it's a I gift don't know certificate. If you wanna, yeah, I don't know if you want to use it or not, but uh, it's like a, Just rip it open. a year-long year-long gift certificate to Mickey D's. Yeah, something like that. I mean, we tried. So You know, I got a McDonald's punching bag that they sent. Do you actually? From yeah. McDonald's with the nicest of letters and uh, gloves and all. So you're just knocking Ronald I'm McDonald out every day. It. Yeah, we got you a nice gift Yeah, so, I mean, it's Damn, not dog. much from the MTM boys, dude, but uh, 25 it, buck gift card, dude. What? Yeah. You get a couple Damn. of those orders. You know who's going right to my daughter because she's in her McDonald's stage. Oh, in her McDonald's she's bag right 14, now. so it's like, you know, thank you, fellas, bro. Yeah, yeah, sure. of course, man. Save me 14 bucks, man. Had, yeah. the, had the spicy McChicken last night. All right, well, let's uh, let's go into UFC. Well, actually, hold up. I, I got a question about the different leagues that you joined, right? Bellator, I was uh, the first one, American um, Conference, American Team Conference. American Top Team? American Top so, Team. That's my gym where I train now. Okay. So I've been training. Um, I was in different gyms in Miami. I was in uh, another gym called Freestyle Fighting Academy in Miami. Mm-hmm. And then around 21 years old, right before I was 22, I, I switched to American Top Team. Okay. I did my whole career there, pretty much. 16 years I was there. Well, I'm still there, and, I, and I'm always there. But I, I fought for every major organization until the UFC. I fought for Bellator, which is easy the number yeah. two organization. I was their first show. I participated in the tournament. I fought in Strike Force. It was purchased by the UFC. I fought in uh, Japanese shows that were owned by Pride. I don't know if you guys ever heard of Pride. We did but, a little bit of research. We yeah, yeah. touched on it, but we don't know too much yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah. So I, fought, I got to fight, which was always my dream growing up, um, watching these great fighters that I loved. I wanted to, to, to take part in this traveling, absorbing the culture, going all over the world, and guess what? Getting paid for it. Yeah. Right. So I'm going to fight there. And now if I went to Japan and I extended my ticket for a week, I was in Japan three weeks now, yeah. you know, and I got paid to be there. So it, it was like the, the best, you know. So I got to fight all over the world, and uh, I ended up back in an American company, Strike Force. Mm-hmm. Strike Force gets bought by the UFC, and I come on over to the UFC. I got a question about, I guess, your first professional fight that's on the UFC stat record website at the Playboy Mansion. How, is yeah. that actually the Playboy yeah, Mansion, the dude? Playboy Mansion. Okay, in, in yeah, how was that, Hills. dude? Uh, that was in Strike Force. Yep. Um, it was freaking cool, bro. It yeah. was. I was on a nice streak. I was in my prime there. I, I got paid. <laughs> I got paid good money to to fight these guys. You know, yeah. for, for the time that I was, um, I went from so that fight I made twenty thousand dollars. But before that, my contract was like, I don't know, like, and, and this was me busting my ass and selling tickets like seven thousand dollars. You know. Like that was selling like four thousand dollars worth of tickets because I'd get three thousand dollars from the promotion. The rest I had to sell. You know what a fucking nightmare it is to deal with people while you're fighting, selling tickets. Doing and it was yeah, doing, yeah, doing it, a fucking yeah, adult boy, a hundred percent. So I, I I didn't like that business too much. So then I got this great contract and I ended up going to the Playboy Mansion. 
$20,000 flat. Yeah. Flat. Winner Just at, at the door right there. Flat. There you go, Don't dude. Everything yeah. else with it. Yeah. No at the time, work. UFC had also offered me a contract, and um, theirs was like, it was six and six thousand dollars going up by two grand on each side oh, okay. so it was six oh, and six okay. so six thousand if i won i mean six thousand a show six thousand if i won that's twelve thousand then it would go up to eight and eight then oh, we'll go up yeah. to ten and ten and then like twelve and twelve and okay. then i could resign and, and get a new contract going. or i could take this contract from these people called bulldog they're just gonna pay me 20 grand flat oh, yeah. i was gotcha. like peace out ufc yeah i went i went to bulldog then bulldog <clears throat> Ended up uh, going under. I went over to Japan, and then that's how got I got to strike force. Yeah. How do you like Japan? I loved it. It was yeah. a dream come true. The UFC for a long time didn't have my weight class. And also, a lot of the, the best fighters in the world at that time were coming from this, this place, Japan. A lot of high-level guys, world champions, number top five guys of the world, and they were my weight class, and they were excelling at it. And, and Japan was just putting on really, really good fights. So it was always a dream of me. Of mine to compete there. Yep. So like the pride, I mean the UFC of of back then in, in Japan was called Pride and they were putting on the best fights, period. Gotcha. The UFC ended up purchasing there as well. But before they got purchased by the UFC, their video library at least, uh, they went on there and they opened up two shows. Um, one was called Dreams, the other one was called Sengoku. Okay. I competed in Sengoku in Japan. Okay. Cool. And I went, uh, I won, I lost one fight over there, which was a crazy robbery. And then I went on a four fight win streak beat the champion of the world, knock motherfuckers through the ropes. Like it, it was a movie yeah. in Japan, you know? I kind of want to get in now to a little bit of, like, the modern day of your fighting career of, like, getting into fighting for a title belt. You get to fight. You get on short notice. Yep. What's your mindset when you take a short notice fight and you look down and, like, actually, this is going to be for a belt? How is that like mindset going into a short term? Like, of course, I'm going to take this. I'm ready. I've been doing this my whole life. Or is it like, I wish maybe I had a little bit more because knowing now what the outcome was, hell of a fight went the distance. But maybe what was your like mindset going into that title fight? Like, Well, my my thoughts in that one will always be bittersweet because it was the most money I ever made in my life. And um, about six or seven weeks before, me, me and the UFC can't come to terms, right? So I want more money off my pay-per-views. I want, I want not, not guaranteed money, but if I sell this amount of pay-per-views, I want mm-hmm. more money off that. Right. I'm not trying to get money from the company. I'm trying to get from what I sell. Right. Understand me? And they're like, can't do it, can't do it, can't do it. And then they find, which is a fight game, they find somebody to do it cheaper. And that somebody was Gilbert Burns. So now the fight gets set. I, I'm heartbroken. I'm devastated. I'm also like, it doesn't matter because there's no fighting and I end up fighting. But the whole thing is starting to hit. Like I just pass up a title shot. I'm, yep. I'm going through like a mini depression, you know, and all through, uh, Corona now is happening. Yeah. It, it, this is like crazy. Was that Abu Dhabi, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, Gilbert gets Corona six days before. So I've already stopped training for some time now, mm-hmm. but I'm always doing something, you know, like I was helping Dustin uh, for that fight, get ready for Dan Hooker. So I was going to the gym like once or twice a week, you know, mm-hmm. I wasn't like in shape, like staying in shape on weight, nothing. Yeah. And so I get the call and at first I'm like, yeah, I could do this, but you're going to have to pay me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> always you know? get the bag right first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, add some zeros on weight, it. You know, <laughs> let me check my weight and I checked my weight, did all of this and that. 
And I told him, I go, yeah, we'll do this, you know. So we spent, I don't know, six to eight hours doing the negotiations. As I always will say, I, I had them by a good point. You know, they had seven days, six days to their main event. Mm -hmm. Not only could I step in and fill those shoes because it was at my weight, but it, it was the only fight that made sense. The fight the whole world wanted to see. It was the most selling pay-per-view of that year. And the year before that, I had it as well against Nate Diaz. We broke the record in, in uh, 2019, and then I broke the record in 2020. So it was like, man, let's fucking, let's go, you know, let's go fucking sell these yeah. pay-per-views, but you got to pay me, and they paid me. So I always am bittersweet because I I got the most money ever, and I had so much leverage, but I, it wasn't the best version of me. They went out there, and am I content that I got more money or that I would have, you know, basically gotten ripped off because the original deal was so, so mm -hmm. shit? But had the belt, had the title, you know, would, would yeah. that have meant more to me? I, I don't know because I don't have the belt. In and that, then in that I got a question because you fought for the belt again against mm -hmm. the same guy yeah. in your next fight. Was Dana White or UFC like, let's obviously give him another shot, not just six or seven days for yeah, it again, yeah. right? The next time they gave me the, the shot was four weeks. You four know, weeks later? Yeah. No, no, no. They, when, oh, just when, four weeks when they, when they the, told you. Okay. Yeah, and it was, again, a um, bit of politics, literally, and, and a couple of things. We were going to coach the ultimate fighter, me and Usman, and we were going to fight. We were going to coach throughout September, then be fighting November. I went and got a medical procedure done in California for my knees, not in California, in Colombia. And the UFC called me up, and they're like, hey, we have an opening, so-and-so and so-and-so, we're going to fight. But we were thinking you should fight for the belt against Kamaru down in Jacksonville in the mm -hmm. first show open to the public. Damn. And at first I was like, fuck that. And I hung up the phone <laughs> and said, fuck you. And the next day I woke up and I was like a, a lot better considerably than, than when I went to sleep, my, how my knees were feeding. And I was like, man, last time I almost beat him in six days. Of course I could beat him in four weeks now. Yeah. And so I took the fight, you know, but each time... Usman had the same amount of time to prepare for me as I did for him. Mm -hmm. So I always say it, it, it is what it is. It's a fight game. There's no excuses, you know. And uh, that one fucking, um, he got me good. The first fight, I, on, he won on stomps to the feet and shit, but he, he, it wasn't a fight. Bro. I always feel like you didn't, you didn't do shit. That fight was a loss for you and me because we yeah. the fans were utterly not entertained. In the second fight, he did great. He did what he had to do. He closed the show, you know? Gotcha. And then when you have, like, a setback like that, you know, um, how do you... Uh, we know you're super close with your faith. Like, how does how do you keep your faith so close to you after a couple setbacks like that? Mm, it hurts, bro. Yeah. It hurts, you know? Because obviously we saw Dustin, you know, at the fight, and he's like, I'm going to just cry up here, yeah. you know? Yeah. But he's got a rock, you know, his mm -hmm. wife to lean on. Mm -hmm. It sounds like you got your faith and obviously your family as well. Yeah, I, I more than anything, lean on my God, on, on Jesus all the time. Since since a young boy, I, I discovered God, and I've never not had God in my life, you know? Mm -hmm. And I've always just relied on God, no matter how fucking stormy it gets. I, I don't care. I just, my faith is immovable. I don't, I've never prayed to, like, another God or anything. I've always yeah. prayed to Jesus, and, and things have worked out for me. So that that's my rock. Yeah. My kids, obviously, as well, but my go-to is... Is my God Almighty. And then is that a part of your pregame ritual? Like, do you have a specific or like a, maybe a unique pre-fight ritual that you've always done or maybe from the very like first professional shoe, fight? Like when I, when I play basketball, I was always tying my right shoe before my left shoe every time. Yeah. It's, that's kind of like my, my thing because if I don't do it that way, it's do you have something like that maybe mm. before every fight? You know, I have phases where I would do a certain something, you know, but... I don't know if you'd call it a ritual as much as like more 
Just routine. Just routine. Yep. Yeah. Um, I'd always work out in the morning before a fight, you know. And when yep. I developed this, it, it was when I got better and better. I'd always do a little workout in the morning the day of. So Saturday I was going to compete. Saturday morning I was getting up. I was doing light sprints. I was stretching out. I was shadow boxing. I was doing a mock sparring. I was moving, you know. I was getting a good feel of my body. Yep. And then going out and performing, you know. Well, let's get into the bare knuckle stuff. I feel like that's kind of your next venture. You're kind of... Yes, Promoting, I guess you're the biggest promoter for that, right? Is that kind of... Oh, without a doubt. I mean, there's only one promoter that, that has more more um, followers. I mean, that's Dana White, you know? Mm. I got more followers than, than organizations have followers, you know? Yeah. Than all of them combined. PFL, Bellator, yeah. you you name the organization. I have more followers than them, you know? Um, so it's it's something very just organic and casual for me to promote what I love and what I've always loved that I just I can't compete in MMA as far as competing in the top five of the world go in the, in the highest levels of it you know training against another guy's been training his whole life since he's seven eight years old getting ready for combat yeah um I don't I don't uh what you call it I don't I don't see all these other divisions, man. I'm going to take over. Does yeah. that kind of keep UFC your... Just and, and my division, you know? Does that yeah. kind of keep your heart young in terms of, like, the sport of, like, fighting when you get to of go... Course. Or, like, yes. I'm out there. Yes, let's do it. Like, yes. this is me. I'm, I'm watching the talent as, as it comes up. Um, talent that I've seen as I was coming up. Uh, older talent than me, younger talent than me. And, and, it's, and it's so amazing that I have a clinical eye because I've been in the sport for so long that I know what talent looks like. Mm-hmm. So I could go and spot it. And, and in that, I mean, it's, it's amazing. And people respect you too. Yeah. I feel like that's another thing that a lot of people, like if you say something or especially if they see your face tied to something like this, yep. they're like, yep, I'm, I'll believe what he says and that type of thing. We're kind of wondering where do you find these guys? Yeah, where, where, and then are they both younger and older guys? We know the next fight is former UFC guys, right? Two former ex UFC heavyweight yeah, champions. Let's go. Yeah, get your promos on. Two off. guys that could fucking <laughs> bang. Two guys that are leaving people dead on September. <laughs> no, no, but for real, both of them can crack, man. Both of them can strike. Uh, Verdum could do it all, literally. He could knee you in the face, elbow you. He could come across the ring doing a Bruce Lee kick and hit somebody in the face. And JDS is is like a guy that has power. He was like the Engano before Engano got there, you know? Yeah, um, especially yeah. in his prime, he was just knocking guys out. He won the heavyweight championship in like a minute and change. Just hit the guy one time and knocked wow. him dead, you know? And that one guy was Cain Velasquez, another all-time great UFC Hall of Famer that I'm a huge fan of. Yeah. Um, so it, it's, it's just nuts that now those guys are going to get to compete for us. They're still relatively in their prime and... Man, they're going to be able to put on a hell of a fucking fight. You know, we got another card. I can't drop the name, but it is going to be Rory Nelson versus somebody that I'll be dropping soon. And uh, the winner of that will face the winner of JDS and Verdum for the heavyweight bare knuckle championship of the world. We got a lot of other big names coming from the grappling world as well. Okay. Um, A lot of the grapplers like that there's no gloves because now they can get into these tight spaces that the gloves make it, you know, damn near impossible when you got another good guy that could just grab Grab onto onto that glove. Yeah. When it's a naked hand, it's slippery. It goes in spots differently. So there's a lot of high-end grapplers that are interested in coming on over. And when when I start to drop those names, it's going to shake the internet. And is it, are younger guys a part of the league as well then? Yes. We got guys from everywhere. We got young guys, 
uh, middle of the pack and then uh, guys that have been at the very, very yeah. top champions, yeah. you know. Bro, are you going to the backyard, though, like going back to Miami and just scouting some dudes? Maybe that got some talent, bro? No, not not yet. I haven't seen... Uh, I haven't seen guys like that from from like the yard they could do it yet yeah. but I'm sure you know it, it might get to that you know usually I'm recruiting off of MMA guys that I know right mm-hmm. would do bare knuckle because not every MMA guy will do bare knuckle gotcha, you know? gotcha. it's a different different sport want to wrap it up with the last question of ours yeah I don't know do we have anything else okay nothing else um can you bet on the guys yeah, how do I get involved yeah, betting wise? Can, can in you bet on the guys? You can bet on the guys. You can go to mybookie.ag <laughs> go get the and, bet, and bet on on everybody. All right, cool, Hori. We're gonna keep this short, man. Appreciate you hanging out with the boys. Yeah, uh, we ask this at the end of all of our episodes, man to man. What is the key to success? Key to success, huh? It can be. You guys whatever. don't know because I fucking know. Yeah, right, we want to hear shit, and I fucking know. The key to success, it. bro. I'll give you one of the keys to success. Um. Attrition, discipline, and being like blind, They're, especially nowadays. How old are you guys? 29, 28. Yeah. yeah. So you guys like more than likely probably grew up with like those phones in your hands, which mm-hmm. I think are amazing. You can start a business, never leave your house, be a billionaire like Mr. Beast or something. But at the same time, these phones could be a huge distraction or anything that's a distraction for your real goals. Yep. And um, that's probably like the hardest thing to the key to success is finding what do I love and how do I monetize that if that's my key to success, right? It's like, if, gotcha. is me having a lot of money my key to success or is my key to success is fucking, you're like a hopeless romantic, you just want to be like in Napa Valley drinking wine with models, you know, maybe that's you, you know, and, and then you got to find a way to, to live that lifestyle. But I think that it's like discipline, man, it's attrition, it's putting all the bullshit to the side. Um, You know, if you fail, let's say you put up a business and that business just went south because, you know, maybe you opened it up at the wrong time during corona right mm-hmm. but there's still a lot of positives and negatives that you could pick up like what was working yelp nah i didn't bring me nobody but the uber eats was paying off so now when i open up the next business all the bad shit i take it off all the good shit that worked from that recipe because i got to keep everything written down i bring it on board and i multiply it and uh when i find that blueprint when i when i find that game plan of this is this is what i think is going to take me to the top I die by that plan, you know. It's something that I that I've always done it, and this is how I treated my fight career. I would fight a certain style mm-hmm. that I didn't match up well against, and I would strip everything down, bring all the good with me, all the bad, maybe leave it to the side, or, or in in my case, in fighting, get better at it. You know, get better at those positions, and then when we'd have the new game plan, like let's say I'm gonna just run three miles every day, was a new game plan, right? Well, the hard part is, is sticking to it because it's easy yeah. to write it down on a piece of paper. But to really get after it and do it, that that's a hard part. So when you find that blueprint, that formula, that's when you got to put the blinders on. That's when you can't let the distractions get you. That's when, you know, you got to go for it all. I got if, one more if you're trying to succeed, you know, yeah. if you want to be part of the pack, then, you know, you half ass it. You, you fucking, you go out to the club from Thursday night to yeah. Sunday and then on Monday, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're getting your ass kicked in, in sales, right? And you're wondering and you're hating on everybody else that's doing better than you. Like, oh, well. well why do I have the fucking shittiest position, this and that? Because you're not giving it your all, you know? You're not you're not 100% invested in, in what's in front of you. I'm going to have to go back and watch that entire segment right there and take some notes, baby. Jorge Masvidal, Game Bread, baby. We appreciate you coming on the Man to Man podcast. Uh, good luck in Dallas, and let's go, baby. Appreciate you guys fighting. for watching. Well, I ain't fighting, He's though. betting, though. He's betting. I'm bet, yeah, I'm betting on something. <laughs> I, I want to see these lines, but I ain't fighting, bro. Unless it's in the streets, but that's always a Let's go. (laughs) Let's go. Appreciate you coming on, bro.
Appreciate you, man. Get a couple clicks. Yes, sir. Appreciate it, man. It's nothing new. That was big. That was big. That was big. Oh, that was great. That was a big ass interview. That was probably yeah. our best interview yet. Hands down. Hands yeah. down. Game bread, baby.